Happy Easter. I'm Dr. Ryan Delamater in San Clemente, California with Ocean Water. Ocean Water helps people all over the world get their drinking water from the ocean for free. I'm stoked you can join us for today's message. Today I want to talk with you about one word, guidance. We have many questions now as we contemplate the season as we look at another 30 days of being at home until May 15th. Stressful times indeed. How will we survive the impact of COVID-19? What'll be those implications for my family, my work, my kids, our friends? The list of questions right now is longer than the list of answers. So in this next season, we'll need God's guidance to help navigate these challenging times. We need wisdom in this season, and I'd like to help with that. God promises to guide us at all times. How do I find his will for my life, especially now? Because it's probably the most commonly asked question that I hear from people. How do I know what God wants from me? How can I find his will? How do I get his direction? These and many other questions come to mind. People want to know, how do I move forward, like right now, even when I don't know necessarily what direction I'm supposed to go in? How do I deal with uncertainty? What does God say about my future? Does he even have a plan for my life? Recently, I was talking with someone who was saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. They felt stuck, uh, frozen, because they're waiting for uh, a really clear picture about life so they can move towards it. And sometimes we're unafraid to make uh, a decision, and sometimes we just rush right ahead without uh, thinking at all. So what's the balance there? We can, uh, we can vacillate between fear and um, mindless courage. So does God want to help us with that? What does the Bible say about how we find guidance from God? What does God promise about this? How much of it does he just leave to us in our minds uh, to make those decisions? Well, I want to start with one passage, one of my favorites in uh, Isaiah chapter 42 about God's promise of direction and guidance. And I want to look at this sort of uh, phrase by phrase. <clears throat> and I'd like to read it to you a little bit at a time. Have you ever felt like there was a time in your life when God seemed silent or really quiet? Um, well, then he starts speaking and he says <clears throat> in Isaiah 42, I will lead a blind by the way they do not know. I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do and I will not leave them undone. As you look um, at this a little bit at a time, it teaches us a few things. The first phrase says, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. What, he's, what is he saying? When you can't see where you're going, so we can be blinded at time by pain, uh, by tears, by confusion, by disappointment. When you can't see where you're going, God will lead us, even though we may not know where we're going. <clears throat> because even when we can't see clearly, God sees perfectly. And he promises, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. I'll take them in a way where, where they've never been. In the next phrase, he says, in paths they do not know, I will guide them. When you don't know which path to take, he says, I'll show you. Uh, it'll be, it might be a way that's completely unfamiliar to you, but that doesn't mean that it's unfamiliar to God. Then he says, I will make darkness into light before them. When things are dark and bad, he says, I'll turn the lights on for you. I'll turn the darkness into light. That's why the Bible says that the word of God is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path that he uses the dark times, the dark events, to shape and mold the direction that he ultimately wants us to go. 
One of my favorite Bible verses in, is Romans 8:28, and it says, God uses all things to work together for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So he makes things for our good uh, work out, out of all of that. He says, I'll make rugged places plain. He's talking about obstacles, disappointments, rocks, walls, people, things that seem to be blocking what we hope God's going to do in our life. <clears throat> God says, I'm going to come in like a bulldozer and I'm literally going to pave a way for you and make the road clear. <clears throat> then he says, and these are the things I will do. I will not leave them undone. He's saying, I will see you through, through all the way to the end. So when you cannot see where you're going, God says he will lead you along unknown paths. He will light the way for you. He will remove the obstacles and he will not stop until you reach the end. It's one of God's promises about how he's going to guide us. But as we'll see in a moment, many of God's promises also have premises or conditions to things. So God's promises have premises. But let me come back to that uh, in a little bit. <clears throat> Psalm 32 8 says, another promise about God's direction, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel and watch over you. People often ask, why doesn't God just show me the whole thing all at once? It would just make life so much easier for me and probably easier for God because I wouldn't have to keep talking to him over and over again about the same things whenever it is that I do pray. You see, if God was to show us the whole story, we may not like exactly how it turns out. How could we be so sure that we would actually do that he, what he would want us to? The chances are you might not like what you see. It's like the face app where you can see what you look like when you're old and you go, I don't know if I want to do that. You might not like what you see. I sure didn't. You might want to run the other direction if God tells you what he wants you to do. I think one of the reasons God doesn't show us the whole thing is because he knows that we might get impatient. We might get ahead of ourselves. We might try to find a shortcut or speed the process along, you know, for God, instead of relaxing and just letting God do it. God also knows that we might not like the plan. We might say no. We might go in the other direction. That's what this guy named Jonah did in the Old Testament. God told Jonah, here's what I want you to do. Jonah didn't like it. Jonah went the other direction. He ran away, got swallowed by a fish, ended up on the beach. But I guess even in the middle of that, God was merciful because after all, there are two ways out of a fish. But if that's how all the great heroes of the Bible responded when God gave them the big picture, well then what does it make us think that we would behave any differently? So there's another reason that God doesn't show us the whole picture all at once, and it's because if he did, then you wouldn't need any faith. God is more interested in our faith than anything else. Hebrews 11:6 it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you want to please God, you have to have faith to do that. If you know everything all at once, you don't need any faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 we live by faith, not by sight. That's what God is interested in because he's building our character and our character is not built overnight. Character's built one day at a time, one step at a time, one test at a time. So God makes things clear one step at a time and he's waiting for us, for you, for me to take the step and then he'll show you what the next step is. If you don't take the first step, he'll not make the next step clear. Proverbs 4.18 says, the path of the righteous like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. It says the path is like the first gleam of dawn, 
it means that this that the God of, that the will of God dawns on us not all at once but one step one moment one choice at a time and things get more and more clear until you see what God has had in mind all along God's will is like a scroll it gets revealed just a little bit at a time one of the great examples of this in the Old Testament is the life of Abraham and in Genesis chapter 12 God is speaking to Abraham he shows up to Abraham out of nowhere Abraham didn't have the kind of background we would expect for a man that God would use, and yet God chose him and spoke to him and called him into a future. Maybe you don't feel like you have the right background or the right family or the right pedigree. It's okay. God uses all sorts of people that you wouldn't expect. Exhibit A. Romans 12 says, Abraham, leave your country, your family, your relatives, and go to the land I will show you. I will bless you, and I will make your descendants into a great nation. He's saying, Abraham, do you want your life to be blessed? Well, then here's what I need you to do. I need you to step out of what you know to be true, step out of your comfort zone, <clears throat> step out of your past, step out of your plan for your life, and step out of the world that you're comfortable in, and step into the unknown and take a step of faith because that's where my blessing is going to be for you. <clears throat> and notice that he said, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. He didn't show Abraham the whole picture all at once. I can imagine Abraham would have said, you know, well, God, where are we going? And God's like, I don't know. I'll just tell you when we get there. Just go in that direction. Take your first step <clears throat> and I'll show you what the next step is. It has to be a step of faith. It is a walk into the unknown by an unfamiliar road, like that verse we just read in Isaiah. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. It's a walk of faith. So this is what living by faith is all about. It's stepping into the unknown before you have the answer. But God cannot guide you until you take the first step. You can't steer a parked Harley. It's got to be in motion. It's much easier. Psalm 77 says, your road led through the Red Sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. It says your footprints were unseen. They couldn't see where God was leading. He brought them to an obstacle, a rugged place that he was about to turn into a plane and it was a pathway they had never seen before. His pathway, it says, led through the sea. We often expect that God's pathway for us would lead us kind of around the trouble. But God's pathway usually leads through the trouble. He says your pathway led through the sea, and that's what faith is about. It's making the decision when I face that obstacle, that challenge, that barrier, am I going to turn back or am I going to go uh, forward? Am I going to take a step into the unknown because I believe that's where God's calling me? And am I going to step in and see what God reveals as I go? So how does God do it? <clears throat> How does God guide us? Well, I want us to look at five different ways that I've learned um, how God guides us. <clears throat> and the first one is that God guides us by His Spirit. When you open your life to God, to Jesus, you say, come into my life. Lord, forgive me of all the bad I've done. Put me on the path that you want me to be on. Psalms 143.10 says this, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. It is the spirit that leads us, the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways he guides us is by opening our minds to understand what the Bible says. Because without the spirit of God, the things of God don't make sense to us. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John. He said that his role is truth. He says, 
When the Spirit of Truth, that's the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And then in Corinthians, he says, here's the role of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. He says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have received the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we may understand what God has freely given us. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. And he cannot understand because they are spiritually discerned. So if you're not spiritually alive, you can't understand these spiritual truths. He says, we have the mind of Christ. So God guides us through the Holy Spirit. The second way that he guides us is by his word. He guides me by his word. The will of God is in the word of God. If you wanna know what God thinks about something, then you'll need to know what he's already said about something. So we know God's will by knowing God's word. This is why we try to read it every day. The Bible is not a map. You're not gonna open the Bible and find step-by-step -step directions that will lead you to the destination for your life because it's not a map. The Bible's more like a compass. It points you in the direction of the truth, true north, where you can say my thoughts and my doubts and my fears and my ideas, my dreams, how do they line up with the compass and the direction of the Bible? God will never tell you to do something that contradicts what his word already says. <clears throat> that applies to relationships. It replies to our ethics. It replies to our finances. It replies to how we live our lives. He's not going to tell you something that he's already said. I don't want you to do that kind of stuff in the word. God will never violate his written word. So if you want to know what God thinks about a decision you're facing, then you need to know what he's already communicated about it. And again, that's in God's word. So we always want to look to the Bible. So God guides us by his spirit. God guides us by his word. And that helps us navigate all of the things in our life. Because many times the answer you're looking for is already here. It's already written into God's word. Psalm 19 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it is a light for my path. And opening the Bible is like turning the lights on in a dark room. It just reveals things that were hidden in the dark. It dispels all of the shadows. His word lights the way for us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says uh, that all scripture is inspired by God. That means it's breathed by him and it is useful to teach us what is true. It is useful to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. All scripture is useful to correct us when we're wrong and to teach us what is right. So the Word of God under the power of the Holy Spirit is God's primary means of guidance for our lives. Now thirdly, He guides us by His people. What does that mean? It means that you can't live a godly life in isolation. You were made for community. So you need spiritual mentors, people that help you, a small group. You need to surround yourself with people that you trust, people you know, people who love God, people who know Him and know His Word. People who know you, people who aren't afraid to tell you the truth. So that when you think, you know, I was wondering if God was telling me to do this or if this is the direction that I'm supposed to go, you can turn to your crew, you can turn to people that know God's spirit and know his word and know you, and they can help you discern uh, that direction and that decision. We help direct one another. We need people that are praying for us, especially when we're making big decisions. Here's some of the things that the Bible says about this. 
Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So we each teach one another what is the word of God. Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so as a friend sharpens another. And Hebrews says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That is the directional passage that we give direction to one another to love God and deeds. God uses us to guide each other. The fourth way that he guides us is by our circumstances. <clears throat> God guides me by my circumstances. Closed doors and open doors. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for a sign. There's nothing wrong with that. You might remember in the Old Testament, the man Gideon, when God told him what he wanted him to do, he gave him some direction, and Gideon wanted to make sure that he was hearing right, so he asked God for a sign. You, re you may remember this story. He took a fleece, a blanket, and he laid it on the ground, and he said to God, Lord, if you're ready to tell me to do this, then in the morning, let this blanket be wet and let the ground be dry, and that's exactly what happened. You can read it in Judges chapter 6. It's exactly um, what God was trying to say to him. He said, now just one more time, I'm going to put this blanket on the ground here. By this time, let the blanket be dry and the ground be wet. And that's exactly what happened. But here's the thing. God did not get mad at Gideon. He did exactly what Gideon asked him to do. And so Gideon's circumstances then confirmed what God was saying to him. But we have to know that this fleece, this blanket, this test, that this was not because Gideon doubted God. He did it because he doubted himself. He doubted his own ability to really clearly hear from God. He was not arguing with God. He was just saying, I got to make sure that I'm hearing right. And so I need a sign that I'm hearing and that I'm hearing you speak to me and I'm not fooling myself. Again, Romans 8:28. we know that in all these things, even losing your job in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So God uses our circumstances, good and bad, and it seems that God uses actually circumstances more than anything else because you could read your Bible and pray for an hour every day, but you still have 23 hours of circumstances. Those circumstances, meetings that open, doors that close, signposts of the road that you're supposed to take. Why would he give you those things if he didn't intend for you to use them for his glory? Why would God give a cheetah speed if he didn't want the cheetah to run? Why would he give a falcon wings if he didn't want it to fly? Why would God give you what he's put in your life if he didn't intend for you to use those things in the will, the purpose that he has in mind for you? Those are signposts. They could help set you on the pathway that God has had in mind for you all along. All of those things point you toward his purpose. And the fifth way, kind of the last way that he guides me is by his still, small voice. That phrase, God's still, small voice, comes from the Old Testament. When we read about Elijah, a great, powerful man, and he had just experienced this really big spiritual victory, this over-the-top demonstration of God's power, that nobody could question God's hand was on this man and that God was involved in his life. And you would think that Elijah would come away from that thinking, man, I can do anything, I got this. But instead, for whatever reason, he panics. And he runs away and he goes into hiding because he's afraid. <clears throat> Look at what the Bible says about this. It says, Elijah went into a cave to spend the night and suddenly the Lord spoke to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? And he answered, listen to the panic in his voice. He answered, Lord, God Almighty, I've always served you, you alone, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, killed all your prophets. I'm the only one left. 
and they're trying to kill me. He's in an absolute panic, just spun up in this thing. They're trying to kill me. But here's an important lesson. <clears throat> just because I'm in a panic doesn't mean that God is in a panic. God is never in a panic. Relax. Well, he says they're going to kill me. He's yelling, but look at how God responds. He doesn't even address it. God says, go out, out of the cave and stand up before me on top of the mountain. The Lord said to him, and then the Lord passed by and sent a furious wind that split the hills and shattered the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. The wind stopped blowing, and then there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake, and the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was the soft whisper of a voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? God didn't yell. It was a whisper, a small voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? When God asks you a question, it's not because he's looking for information. He just wants to know if you know what he knows. He's bringing you, waking you up to the reality, and he doesn't need to raise his voice to get your attention. Just that still, soft whisper. That's enough. He speaks to us through a still, small voice. Isaiah 30 says, You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. It's a voice encouraging you, confirming the direction. Yes, it is. Keep going. You're heading in the right direction. And most often, God seems to lead me through hindsight where I can look back and I can say, oh yeah, this was the way. I'm going to keep going this way because I can look and I can see. Yes, there's the confirmation that I needed all along in my life. But notice also that God says... This is the destination to walk to it. He says, this is the way, walk in it. In other words, God's call in your life, his guidance and direction for your life is more to a path than it is to a destination. Because there will be a lot of destinations in your life. It's the pathway that's most important to God. His call is more to a path than a destination. So you'll say, well, where do I start? Well, you could probably start with the most famous Bible verse about God's guidance and direction. It's Proverbs 3, 6. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, I want us to look at that verse for a moment here. <clears throat> it says, in all your ways, not just some of your ways, all of your ways, and that's the key. Now, what does it mean to acknowledge God? You acknowledge God in all of your ways by asking, what does he think about my ways, about the decisions that I'm making, by looking for his will in every area of my life and doing what he has already told you to do, that's how you acknowledge God in all of your ways. And if he says, you will do that, he will direct your path. Read it again. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your, what's the word? It's paths. He will direct your paths. It does not say in all your ways acknowledge him. He will show you the ultimate destination in full detail. It says he'll show you which way to go. So the Bible says this, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Another version says he will show you the right way to go. And another, he will clear the road for you to follow. So where I end up in life, well, that's the destination. Where I end up in life is not nearly as important as how I get there. Where I end up in life is not nearly as important because I have to ask the question, did I get there by obedience or by compromise? It's the way that is important. God calls you not to a place 
but to a way of life, a way of living. Jesus said this in Mark 8. He says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? So while you're waiting on God for specific instruction, be sure that you're obeying his general instructions in all of your ways. The things that God has already told us to do, he's already shown us in general for all of us in his word. And if we don't obey God's general will, his general instructions, well, then he's not likely to give us specific instructions. Because after all, why would he tell you to do something if you haven't done what he's already been asking you to do? So for example, when Jesus said that if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, we say, well, those are nice words, but is that how you're living or are you caring to judge? He's saying that you've got to let go of those things. You can't walk into the future if you're still living in the past. <clears throat> so we've got to let go. We've got to travel light. We don't want to carry the weight of a grudge into the future or when he says, don't share in the sins of others. So are we staying away from evil influences? Um, are we living the best life that we can for God? Are we living our life in a general way so that we can have God give us specific direction? So what I'm talking about is this. Welcome, welcoming his direction of living, a life that can be guided, that can be directed by keeping ourselves blessable, by keeping our ears tuned to God's voice. It'd be like hanging a sign on the door of our heart that says, welcome, Lord, I'm open for business. How can I serve you today? That's the kind of openness that God wants us to have in our relationship with him. But it shows, our, but it shows itself first in how we follow the Lord. I want us to look at one last passage because it has to do with the difference between the general and the specific instructions that God gives us. It's Isaiah 58 verse 11. It says, and the Lord will guide you always. <clears throat> he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and you will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. But that is a beautiful promise and it has a premise. There's a condition to it. And in the context of God giving this instruction, there's something God is saying, I want you to do, and if you will do this, you'll make yourself blessable. And you'll make yourself, if I can say this word, guidable. If you'll do what I tell you to do, God will then kind of have your back and give you that extra blessing. And so when you look at the verse in this context, you find out what God is requiring of them in his general instructions. Here's what he's saying. It's kind of long, but, but listen to this. <clears throat> they had been fasting. Well, isn't this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? It's to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. <clears throat> then you will call and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I if you do away with the yoke of oppression, if you do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. <clears throat> That's the premise. And now we come to the promise. And 
The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. He's saying, don't live only for yourselves. What's the reason you're asking God's guidance for your life or your direction? Is it so that we can serve ourselves or other people? He's saying, don't only live for yourself. Give hope to people who don't have hope. Meet the needs of others. <clears throat> if you'll do that, then God will direct your path and he will cause your life to flourish. You might say, well, what if I miss it? What if I get off track? What if I make a mistake? What if I'm missing God's will for my life? The Bible tells us he's a good shepherd. And shepherds know what it's like to have a sheep wander away from the flock and get off the path. And like a good shepherd, when you get off the path, just call out, <clears throat> let God hear your voice, and he'll come and find you, and he'll put you on the right track, just like he has with me a hundred times. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So let's pray about this. Would you pray with me? It's simple. Just say, God, help me today to follow you, to trust you. Be my savior in Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you for being with me today. Um, I'd like you to message me at Ocean Water, O-C-N-W-T-R. I'd like to send you a daily verse, daily reading, video content for a weekly group. We're taking trips now uh, all around the world. We're heading to India and to Indo and several other places. Um, I'm Dr. Ryan Delamater with Ocean Water. I want to wish you a happy, a happy Easter, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks so much.